This is the AM640 Afternoon Drive Show on Talk Radio AM640. According to the Globe and Mail today, the College of uh, Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario have launched investigations into 86 doctors who have prescribed high doses of opioids to their patients. The College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario and the Health Minister declined to confirm and comment on the investigations, but we're joined now by David Yerlink, who is the head of uh, clinical pharmacology and toxicology at Sunnybrook uh, Health Centres here in Toronto. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Kelly. So these physicians were flagged using two algorithms, which is new. You know, we are using big data to find things now. Uh, Looking for doctors who... Um, prescribed eight or more patients with 650 milligrams of morphine a day or who prescribed 20,000 milligrams for a patient at one time. You know, these doses don't mean much to the average person that isn't on any kind of opioid or any kind of uh, usual drug. So could you put it in perspective of how uh, large a dose we're talking about here? Well, these are extraordinary doses. I mean, it's actually 650 milligrams of morphine or equivalent per patient and 20,000. So the idea would be the equivalent of being on, um, people are familiar with OxyContin, it'd be the equivalent of being on uh, multiple of the highest strength tablets of OxyContin per day. Uh, and this, these are really outlier. These are, aren't just high doses. These are extraordinary doses of painkillers. Wow, it's amazing that they just, you know, were flagged about these doses. Now, what's an average dose? What should it be? Well, you get a very different answer to that question depending on who you ask. Um, uh, My sense is that we should generally be prescribing 50 or 60 milligrams uh, a day at most. Wow. Uh, For patients with cancer, we'll often go to higher doses. But the problem with opioids is not just that we don't have good studies that show that they help people more than harm them, but, um, but the toxicities, which are numerous, Uh, accumulate as the doses go up. So when you get up to doses like this, it's really hard to imagine that a patient is is being helped more than harmed by their drugs. It's it's a complicated topic, but but it's very hard to justify. Can you speak to how these drugs could potentially harm someone beyond addiction? Well, death would be the main thing. And I think people who are on doses like this, um, and we've done research to support this statement, they're more likely to die from their medication than almost anything else. But there are a variety of other harms mm. aside from addiction and death that aren't widely appreciated. Uh, they're a strong risk factor for car accidents and for falls, and they can make people confused or delirious. Um, in men, they can really drop testosterone levels and interfere with libido. And one of the things uh, that isn't widely appreciated by patients or even doctors is that doses like this, they can actually make pain worse. And so in studies that take people on these exceptional doses and slowly taper them down, we often find that their their pain scores improve as the dose comes down. Why is that? It's not well understood. The, the, the phenomenon is called opioid-induced hyperalgesia, but there's something about what these drugs do to other receptors in the brain and spinal cord that they're not supposed to otherwise tickle that at, at high doses they can they can make pain worse and it's really quite an unpleasant uh, thing to experience i mean patients start with low back pain and then they start these d- drugs and the doses go up and up and then you know then they've got what looks like a very severe form of fibromyalgia pain all over their body unrelenting it's really awful wow. and, and it's not and and you know the doctors that we you know 15 years ago, we were taught that the thing to do for patients like that was just to keep going up on the dose in an effort to try and quell the pain. You know, it's interesting. I was watching an Anthony Bourdain, uh, Parts Unknown, and he was in uh, Wisconsin or a small town in, in the States, and it is it has a huge opioid problem. And, you know, he was talking about all these families that were touched by opioids, and a doctor was on the show, 
and she said, you know, I feel largely responsible for this addiction, and it, which is touching every uh, area of the uh, population in our town because, you know, I was told by the pharmaceutical reps that, it, you know, we were sold a lie that these were not addictive. Oh, she's right. So um, in the mid-'90s, so you know, 30 years ago, it wasn't very common that we would use opioids to treat chronic pain uh, because we were concerned about the risks. But in the mid-'90s and uh, late-'90s, we began to get the message that we could use these drugs in the long term and that doing so was safe and effective and that the risk of addiction was less than 1%. And um, we probably should have known at the time that that was a suspiciously low number. In in hindsight, we know that there was really nothing to base that on. And the best um, available, we don't have good data on this now even, Mm -hmm. but the best available numbers suggest around 10% of people on long-term therapy can develop addiction. It's a very concerning statistic. Well, with addiction in mind, how are doctors, what are they prescribing instead of opioids to uh, people with chronic pain? Well, we're still using opioids from time to time. And one of the problems here is that pain is is a really common problem and doctors want to help. And medications are often part of the problem because drug plans don't pay for physiotherapy and visits to a psychologist and other things that might help. And so we do resort to drugs readily, but none of the drugs we've got um, help everybody. Many of them have uh, side effects. And, you know, the, the, the shift towards opioids, uh, I think, has partly uh, preyed on our fear of the other drugs we've got, the anti-inflammatories that you can get without a prescription sometimes. Mm. Some of the fear that the uh, threat of this disciplinary action, you know, with investigating uh, the doctors, the 86 doctors, could lead to doctors uh, decreasing the amount of opioids they prescribe and cut, cutting some people off. Is that necessarily a bad thing? Well, um, Yes and no. I think on balance, it is uh, best for patients not to be on doses like this. But when they are, um, the sudden reduction in, if, if the doc is tapped on the shoulder and um, they decide to suddenly cut the patient off or drop the patient from 600 down to 50 milligrams a day, uh, that patient can get quite sick. They can go through opioid withdrawal, which is extremely unple- unpleasant. But worrisomely, you know, today people will, when that happens, they'll sometimes go to the street and they'll buy what they mm-hmm. think is an Oxycontin tablet and they'll find that there's fentanyl in it and they'll, you know, they'll die. So this, that, that's a legitimate concern. And I know for a fact that the college is cognizant of that. Uh, and as they approach these physicians, I'm, I'm sure they're, they've taken steps to prevent that from happening. You know, the government unveiled a new opioid strategy aimed at curbing what they are calling an opioid epidemic here in Ontario. How much responsibility lies with the individual prescribing the drugs? I think it's important to realize that there, so some responsibility lies with doctors, um, but this isn't exclusively a problem now about prescribing. You know, 10 years ago, if we had this discussion, I would say the problem was mostly about prescribing and doctors need to dial back on their on how we use these drugs. I think we still need to do that, but what we have done over the last 15 or 20 years is create a massive market for opioids, illicit opioids now, mm. that really wasn't there, um, you know, uh, back, in the, back in the 90s. Uh, and so we, we also need to help people who already have substance use disorders, and we need to, it's a multifaceted uh, issue that's actually the subject of a federal summit next month. Canadian guidelines for opioid prescribing are six years old, and they're currently updating them now. Is this a little too late? I, I understand we're hugely out of step with American guidelines. Um, you know, I'm actually on the steering committee for that, uh, and uh, they will come out in, uh, I think, early 2017. It would have been nice, nice to see them come out earlier, but I'm glad they're being done. I think they're actually going to be even more rigorous than the American guidelines. Um, but I think doctors are, even before the guidelines come out, are getting the message that, um, that, listen, what we were taught 
wasn't true, and we need to rethink our approach to pain. We've been misled. We've, we've lost our way, I think, in, in terms of how we prescribe opioids, and that they do have a role for some patients, but it's not the role that we were taught in you know, 20 and 15, 20 years ago. Well, uh, do- doctor, I appreciate you joining us on the show today. It's been a really interesting conversation and a look into, you know, opioids and how we're prescribing them and how they're being used. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you for being here. Uh, Dr. David Yerlig is the head of clinical pharmacology and toxicology at Sunnybrook. Uh, nice enough to give us some time and give us a little bit of information. The AM640 Afternoon Drive Show. Listen live. Weekday afternoons from 4 till 7 on AM640. Or download the app at 640toronto.com.